Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. You know, I guess most of our shows could kind of fit underneath each one of those categories, as you heard in the theme song from Johnny Cobb and Jerry McCoy. But tonight, it is no joke. We're going to cover it all here on Into the Paranormal. Good evening from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. I am Jeremy Scott. Tonight's episode called Creepy Encounters. I can't wait to talk to our special guest, Stan Gordon, who's back after about three and a half years. He was last year uh, in the spring of 2019. There certainly have been uh, many sightings to uh, get caught up on uh, from his home state of Pennsylvania, but from other places around the country as well who are having encounters, strange and creepy encounters with cryptids and with UFOs and even with uh, strange balls of lights and anomalous objects, some of those that you may not be able to categorize, but we do know it is into the paranormal. It's good to have you wherever you are listening far and wide tonight. There is a trend being reported of witnesses who are observing luminous objects and phenomena such as strange balls of lights that are often accompanied by depictions of UFOs and creatures, you know, the kinds of creatures that science says are not supposed to exist. And sometimes these phenomena get within feet of witnesses. They've been known to pace moving vehicles Enter cars and homes through open windows. It might make you think twice about keeping that window open on a warm summer night or that car window on a cruise down the highway. Of course, if you listen to last week's program, you also know that we reported on strange cases of people's cars actually getting lifted off of the highway And people, in at least a couple of cases, getting sucked out through the window. 
So this is not made up stuff. This is documented evidence. And to share these reports tonight, we have welcomed back Stan Gordon, who is a trained electronics technician specialized in radio communications. He's lived in Greensburg, Pennsylvania all of his life. Began his interest in UFOs and other strange incidents at the age of 10 all the way back in 1959. In the late 1960s, he acted as the Telephone UFO Sighting Report Investigations Coordinator for the UFO Research Institute of Pittsburgh. Stan B. Uh, began field investigations of UFOs and other mysterious events in 1965 and is the primary investigator of the December 9th, 1965, a UFO crash and recovery incident that occurred near Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. And in 1969, he established a hotline for the public to report UFO sightings to investigate. It's 24 hours, 724-838-7768. That's 724-838-7768. It's his 24-hour UFO and Bigfoot cryptid sightings hotline. Since 1993, he has investigated and documented strange incidents from across the Keystone State and beyond as an independent researcher. His latest book, Creepy Cryptids and Strange UFO Counters of Pennsylvania. Welcome back into the Paranormal, Stan Gordon. Thanks very much for having me back on the program. What has been up the last two and a half years around the Pennsylvania area? Did things calm down during the COVID pandemic? Uh, Did they ramp back up? Because I understand that you've taken many reports of late. Uh, I couldn't begin to tell you, even begin to where to start. There has been so much activity. You know, my hotline, like I said, has been open since 1969, and even on a normal yearly basis, I get reports all year round on all types of weather conditions. But all through the pandemic, man, there were reports coming in pretty much every month on UFO sightings, uh, cryptid cases, all kind of phenomena. The, the last year, I should say, through tw- from 2021 right through the fall and winter, which things generally quiet down because of the weather conditions and snow around here, so you generally get less reports. But interestingly, we had more of a surge of of low-level UFO cases being reported, and uh, it's continued, believe it or not, right through the last couple days. It's just been nonstop. And many of these UFO reports, or UAPs as more and more people are calling them now, uh, are daylight reports. And uh, we had a significant Bigfoot sighting yesterday in daylight, yesterday morning. Uh, it's just so much going on. It's just amazing. And, yeah, talking about these small spheres of light, I've called them mini UFOs. And um, I started investigating them back in the 1960s. And many people never heard about these type of reports. And uh, they're really intriguing. And since more, about March of this year, and this is right through, again, the last the week, the last few days, actually, some reports, that these objects, whatever they might be, they the, – the number of reports coming in from widespread areas is just amazing. Uh, it's not just here. It's just across western Pennsylvania, but also up in the uh, Pennsylvania-New York border, other areas. And all these different people are calling in. I mean, uh, these are just – most of them are just the normal general public who are seeing things they've never encountered before. Or in some cases, they're game cameras or their security cameras are picking up these things. And uh, – and I'll be glad to go into some detail about some of these cases. And I guess, are these new reports? These are not just the same people calling in over and over, which adds some credence to this. If you were just, you know, dealing with the same people who are always calling you and saying, hey, Stan, I saw this or that, 
uh, you may wonder whether this person's really that lucky to see this much in their lifetime. But that's not the case here, right? These are fresh witnesses for the most part. Almost all these, almost all these are right. They're, they're people, and most of these people never saw anything before, didn't believe in these type of things, which is very common to people I interview, whether it's a Bigfoot, a cryptid, or UFO. But, yeah, a lot of these are coming in from people from all kinds of backgrounds, some of them with really interesting backgrounds that I've been finding out. And uh, it's just the fact that you're getting sporadic reports over such widespread areas. These people have, don't know about these other cases going on. And interestingly, in some cases, we're getting people in the same vicinity who are reporting things as well, not knowing their neighbors down the road are reporting things. So it, it's very, very interesting what's going on. And again, some of these cases are extremely detailed reports as I'll get into as we uh, start talking. Oh, wait, so tell us about some of these reports of these are these balls of lights? Uh, is is that a, a correct way of uh, describing them? Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of detail because there's a lot to know about them and something that people should be aware of um, from what we found out. I, I started noticing this back in 1972. Well, I said prior to that, 1960s, I was aware of these type of cases, but it was in 1972 when I was investigating an incident um, outside of Greensburg where I live several miles away in the country where I was receiving independent reports from various landowners out there who were calling me. They had lived in these, along this large wooded area for years and nothing ever happened. Then all of a sudden they began to hear these howls and screams. Uh, they were hearing uh, something heavy bipedal walking in the woods. Then something was seen was very broad-shouldered, uh, chasing dogs one day. Uh, strange footprints were showing up. But then we were hearing about these very small little orbs of light Again, a lot of people refer to them as orbs, these small spheres of light, very small. And we're talking small now. We're talking uh, one to two inches in diameter, the smallest ones. And uh, what's interesting, I've heard some people even recent years tell me sometimes they've encountered these things like a swarm of these things, and as they're moving through the woods, they illuminate the surrounding area, which is interesting. But the majority of reports, uh, a lot of these things, again, they're spherical in many cases, but there's some cases where these things have other type of uh, configurations as well. Most of them are spherical. Uh, a lot of them are about the size of a golf ball or a baseball, and many reports of also about a foot or two in diameter. So lots of times these things appear to be just spher spherical, very bright, luminous light sources of various colors. In some cases, however, they appear to be solid and metallic. And, yes, over the years I've had cases where these things have paced vehicles. I've had them enter people's vehicles through open windows. I've had them enter people's uh, uh, homes through open windows. And most of the time they just float back out the window. We've heard some reports they've actually gone right through the body of the vehicle or right through the walls of a house. And very interestingly, and we've heard more than one case of this now uh, in the past, but very recently, as I'll tell you, there was a very intriguing case where one of these things uh, appeared inside of a home. Tell us about that one, and then I have many more questions. So this one came into a home and did what, Stan? Okay, well, let me tell you a little bit about, um, and, and let me mention this first, because a lot of these cases, not all of them, but some of these cases are appearing along a very active area here in Pennsylvania. This is called the Chestnut Ridge. So this mountain range extends through Westmoreland, Fayette, and Indiana County in southwest Pennsylvania, and extends uh, a few miles outside of Morgantown, West Virginia. 
it historically is an extremely active area. Now, there are certain specific areas along the ridge where we're having more reports than others, such as along the, uh, the Westmore and, the, uh, and Fayette County side of the ridge. It's active year after year, including in recent weeks. So you'll hear me referring probably to the Chestnut Ridge at times. Um, one of my research associates, Jim Brown, he's luckily he's up in Fayette County. He's investigated uh, a number of cases. So let, let me just give you an example of a few recent reports. So this is April 6th of this year, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. This uh, man and his wife are out there in the garden uh, doing some digging. They have their wheelbarrow and their shovels out, and they notice about 50 feet away, come about 10 feet above the fence line, that here's this object, it's, it's silver and circular, about two feet in diameter. They first thought there was a mylar balloon. It begins, it's still drifting closer to them, and as it gets quite close, it suddenly gets brighter and brighter, and they realize this is not a balloon. And um, as it's there, about, as they watch this thing, this thing suddenly explodes, and there's like a small lightning bolt that shot from the, from the object to the ground, the sound was like a small firecracker going off, like a snap or a, of a spark, and it started a small fire, which he immediately put out. And at that point, it was gone. There was nothing there. So Jim, who's a real high-tech guy, got on the scene there within about 45 minutes, and he's looking right there at the site for any type of residue, for example, from a firecracker or from a mylar balloon, which there said about a lot of residue, absolutely nothing there at all, which was interesting. So here's another case I'm going to tell you about, and this is more recent. And this was October the 8th uh, outside of Uniontown, Pennsylvania. And um, Jim looks at this one again, and he went out and interviewed these people. So this was around 6 o'clock in the morning, and this fellow um, wanted to go out and get his newspaper and read the newspaper. It was pretty cold out that morning. He had his uh, pajamas on, his slippers, and he had to walk out about 50 feet. And that's when he encounters this glowing white ball of light about 10 to 12 inches in diameter between him and the paper box. And he remembered telling his wife uh, later he began to get extremely sleepy. And he remembered the ball of light was kind of uh, moving around like a slow circular motions. And when she awakened around 7 o'clock, she's looking for him in the house. She looks out in the window, and here he is, sound asleep on the porch in his pajamas in that very cold 40-degree uh, weather. How did he get yeah, there? Heck of a he was out there when he went to get the newspaper, and he fell down, fell down into the chair and just fell asleep. Well, and that's interesting. Here's, here's the thing that's interesting about it. So three days later, about 40 miles away, up on the Laurel Highlands. So here's a report. This person wakes up about 2.30 in the morning to go to the bathroom. She comes out of the bathroom, and about five feet away, she has one of those really old homes. The ceiling um, is... is very high, and several feet below the ceiling was this deep blue-colored sphere, about a foot and a half in diameter. She said there was a gray swirling mass inside of it, moving around, looked something like the motion of one of those old lava lamps. It was completely silent, just slightly moving up and down. She recalled taking one step towards it. That's when she felt like a slight tingling sensation. And she said it reminded her of like a, a pre-jolt of electricity, when you're near like an electric fence. She recalled looking at the strange object for about 10 seconds, then suddenly became extremely sleepy. And she said she went to the bedroom and immediately then went to sleep. And she said that was so strange for her because she's an insomniac and takes her hours to fall asleep. So I thought that was very interesting that you had that same kind of response from both of the witnesses talking about that overpowering sleepiness as they're uh, observing this object.
Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating to me, Stan, when we get repeated instances of witnesses experiencing, you know, the same thing. And, you know, they don't know each other. They didn't talk it over. Uh, but it really takes doing the investigation to, I mean, really even figure out that we have a connection there to start with. Well, and it gets deeper and deeper. And, and again, I, I know that uh, we'll probably talk about some of these strange things. I, I don't recall what we talked about on our last program, but... Um, there's also, believe it or not, there's some association between these spheres of light and the Bigfoot phenomena. And uh, years ago, I, I was talking about the investigating case where there are certain areas where we have a lot of repeat historical Bigfoot activity in certain locations. And in various cases, uh, there was an amazing case that was investigated up in Fayette County, oh, let me see, 20... I think it was around 2016. I'm losing my trend of thought here right now. There's been so many things in so many years. But anyhow, it's in more recent years. Uh, it was a very wet night. These two men were riding down a back road when suddenly this huge seven-foot-tall Bigfoot comes down from the left side of the road and stops 20 feet in front of their vehicle right in the middle of the road. And unfortunately, neither one of these guys had a cell phone on them. And it's just standing there with luminous, glowing red eyes. They're looking face-to-face -face with this thing. It's not moving. It takes a couple little steps towards them. At one point, the driver of the car actually moves his vehicle very slowly and has the uh, bumper of the vehicle uh, against the, the knee of the creature. And the creature turns and puts his hands on the, on the top of the vehicle and then turns around and starts walking down the road. But it was about a week or so later, as I recall, that a team of some experienced Bigfoot researchers went up into that area. And while they didn't see any Bigfoot or see any signs of any, they were reporting these strange spheres of light and other light phenomena in that area. And this is going on more and more, including recent months. There's another area now where there's a, apparently a lot of repeat history of various anomalies. They've been investigating it. They're calling it Area X. They're not disclosing locations on private property right now. But some of these investigators I've known for years are very serious investigators. I've talked to them over the years about these spheres of light, and I knew that these guys were pretty skeptical. And then several months ago, while they were had a team up in that area, and there was a, a, a number of people there, these small spheres came up to several people, came within feet of them. And there actually is some uh, pretty good video of some of this occurring. And uh, so this is the kind of things that are going on. But this is not happening just in Pennsylvania. I mean, this is being talked about now around the country. For years and years, I've been in touch with uh, a lot of other investigators around the country and heard from other uh, witnesses. And these people recording, reporting the same type of things going on around the country as what's happening in Pennsylvania. Uh, fascinating. And you say that it, it's usually rare to get a surge of reports in the fall and the winter. You know, it's you know, it's a lot darker and dreary out and people usually stay indoors more. But that was not the case last year, was it? No, I mean, it just got very, very busy uh, in 2020, uh, right through 21 through 2022. Um, yeah, and it, it was an amazing time period. Again, a lot of reports. We've had reports of large triangular objects even in recent weeks and months. Uh, uh, lots of reports of long, elongated silver or white uh, cigar-shaped objects, including a very good sighting last week, I can tell you about, in daylight, early morning. Just uh, so much going on. Let me just give you an example of, of one day. 
And let me see if I can pull some of this up because there's so many details here. Um, and I may not have it right here in this file. But anyhow, I, I can remember some of it right offhand. This was January 15th. And we were having a, a, a very bad uh, deep freeze condition here. There was a lot of pipes breaking from the very cold weather was going on. And uh, this man had called me. And um, around 3 o'clock in the morning, he decided to go out and check uh, – under his home because he thought there was a problem with the water line. So he was under this crawl space, and while he's under there, he hears these strange um, humming, clicking sounds from outside behind him. The next day, his neighbor lived across the street, called him, and um, anyhow, he said, I want to tell you about something that I saw during the early morning hours. He said, something was disturbing my animals, my horses. And he said, I got up, and I started walking towards the barn, and I don't have all these details in front of me, but I remember him saying this thing was about 20 feet above the barn. It was a, a big, solid, metallic, silver-looking um, cover to it. The body looked silver and solid. It was about 50 to 60 feet long, as I recall, and there were multiple rows of, rows of lights. And it was making this very strange humming, uh, clicking sound. And he said he watched this thing for several minutes, and suddenly all the lights went out. The object never accelerated and left the air. It just vanished and disappeared. And this is what we're hearing in many, many cases. So with a lot of these reports, with these large cigar-shaped objects, even in daylight, people are telling me they're watching these things hovering. It's a beautiful day, and suddenly it just vanishes and it's gone. And is that the more common occurrence that you hear of, uh, Stan, where they're, they just vanish as, as quickly as they showed up? Well, I, I hear that in a lot of cases, but in many cases they do accelerate, and they're gone as well. And I can later we can talk about some some of the amazing, extremely close-range, low-level cases with, in some cases, electromagnetic effects I've investigated over the years. But uh, now here's the thing. We, we have other cases over the years with what appear to be large, solid objects that suddenly begin from one side of the object, begins to suddenly just fade away and vanish and disappear. In other cases, we have what appear to be solid objects that physically change form in front of witnesses from one form into another. And in some cases, there's a mist, like a misty appearance around the objects as well. Uh, other cases, even in recent years, of uh, in daylight in some cases, of large solid objects that enter clouds but never exit from the clouds. And uh, that, that we, and then some very strange, unusual, large cloud-like formations that do things that clouds don't do, such as making uh, erratic movements in the sky. And uh, there was one case, uh, I believe it was two years ago, on a busy Route 119 here outside of Scottsdale, where the fellow was riding down the road, and suddenly all, several of these cars in front of him all hit the brakes, and he looks up, and... Um, there's a number of clouds in the sky, but there's one I think he said was about as big as a school bus, and he said it was just like a school of fish moving around in the sky, zigzagging back and forth, up and down, and he had to go underneath a little, uh, under an uh, overpass, and when he came out, it was gone. Well, that thought, Stan Gordon is my guest. Creepy encounters tonight with Stan on Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Normal news.
After more than two and a half months of delays, NASA's Artemis One rocket is headed to the moon. Artemis stands ready. Ready to turn dreams into reality. Ready to return humanity to the moon and take us further than ever before. Although they've faced challenges, including those from Tropical Storm Nicole after being left out on the launch pad, Jim Free, Associate Administrator of the Exploration Systems Development Mission Directorate of NASA, says the team is confident the rocket will launch this time as early as Wednesday. Right now, there's there's nothing preventing us uh, from getting to the 16th. The vehicle was moved back to the launch pad last week after being in the vehicle assembly building for maintenance since late September. We decided to stay at the pad. We we uh, had predictions then that the storm, you know, the, the winds were going to be high, but still within our certification limits. The first two launches were called off, and Artemis survived Hurricane Ian last month. Cliff Lanham, Senior Vehicle Operations Manager of the Exploration Ground Systems Program, says the work has gone smoothly. We've been able to uh, protect the rocket from the hurricane, um, and we've been able to get into our inspections and make repairs. This mission will not have a crew. It's the first in NASA's Artemis program to explore the moon and land humans near the lunar South Pole in 2025 or 2026 and to establish a sustainable human presence by the end of the decade. I'm George Henry, Paranormal News. Thousands of people have seen UFOs, hundreds of people have seen Bigfoot in this area and across Pennsylvania and other strange creatures they report every year and other strange phenomena. There was, there was a a creature crossing the river it looks like it's holding an infant. Well, he was camping with his dad. He says he saw red eyes watching them from the woods. So he claims he fired a shotgun, heard something scream and go crashing through the trees. I heard something right down here somewhere. There have been reports of giants, especially giant hairy humanoids, uh, coming from pretty much every corner of the Earth. They also claim they've seen some creatures like Bigfoot and something half-human. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon, somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, you're traveling into the paranormal with Jeremy Scott. My guest is Stan Gordon. He is author of the new book, Creepy Cryptids and Strange UFO Encounters of Pennsylvania, has been investigating the strange and creepy phenomena that we've been talking about tonight for more than 60 years. Some absolutely just... Uh, jaw-dropping stuff you know the thing is is we don't exactly know all the time what we're dealing with we just know it's strange it's creepy hence the program creepy encounters tonight but back to stan who was telling this uh, story about a witness encounter on route 119 i do believe it was and i mean this gentleman i believe he was a gentleman stan right doesn't know what he encounters but he encounters something please uh, share the end of that story yeah, and basically it was just a, a very unusual cloud formation that was zigzagging in the sky, which apparently all the other cars that are heading him were watching the same thing, and they're all hitting their brakes about the same time. But, uh, you know, over the years I've investigated many, many just amazing detailed incidents 
Uh, and again, these were not lights in the sky. These were daylight reports of, of low-level objects. There, there's a couple I'm glad to tell you about that I think you find uh, quite interesting. Yeah, go ahead, Stan. I'd be, I'd be interested in hearing about some of these accounts. Okay, so uh, September 3rd, 1987. This is on a busy four-lane highway, Route 30, uh, outside of Greensburg. This uh, is an area where back at that time you had the Green Gate Mall, so it was a very busy area. It was uh, early evening, and you had multiple witnesses, including law enforcement, who observed this huge, solid, cigar-shaped object, completely silent, with multitudes of lights on it. It's traveling right uh, along the high-tension power lines. It's about 300 feet long. It's about as long as a football field, and it's only about 300 feet off the ground. And this object is moving slowly above the power lines, crosses the main highway, Route 30. So when you cross that main highway, you have a power substation over there. So you have this huge object that's moving horizontal that turns vertical in the sky when it was near the power substation, and all the power in the area went out, including in the mall. And when the engineers went behind the annex where the mall was, where they had the theaters, because that power stayed out for a long time, they found all three of the master fuses in the circuit had been blown. And apparently that's something I've talked to different engineers about and something that's just something that just doesn't normally happen. So that was very interesting. And there, there's many other cases. Another one was, I believe it was June 1st of 2013. And this is uh, out toward the Adamsburg area on the other side of Route 30. And, again, these are all busy highways that go into Pittsburgh. And so here's a woman uh, who did not believe in UFOs. She had a three-year-old child with her. And uh, she's coming out of a convenience store. She's going down Route 30 uh, eastbound. And she told me, she said, I couldn't believe it. There's no cars anywhere near me. There's cars uh, way in front of me, cars way behind me, but uh, nobody close by when this happens. She said, I had to break right in the middle of the road because there's this huge, solid metallic object about 60 feet above the roadway, and uh, it looks like a big triangle. She said, actually, it looked like a gondola of a blimp without the blimp. But the lighting configurations on it were completely unlike navigational lighting. Her three-year-old child yells, Mommy, flying iPad in the sky. And says she's on the cell phone at the time, trying to tell the people what she's seeing, and um, as she's watching this thing, uh, again, she has to move underneath it to get to her home. So when she passes underneath it, she loses her cell phone signal. She noticed all the elect- electronic displays on her dash now, the airbag, her FM radio signal went off. Uh, all the different indicators, temperature, whenever, they all went off. She tried to take a picture with her iPhone. It would not let her go into the photo mode to take a picture. She moved down the road, I think, about a half mile away, and all the electronics came back to normal. Those are the kind of cases that, on occasion, still go on with these electromagnetic effects, but it's something you rarely ever hear about uh, in more recent years. And they used to be pretty common back in the uh, 50s and 60s. Uh, what about people like uh, you know their radio going haywire, uh, their batteries acting up, that sort of thing? Yeah, that's very common. And, again, even in more recent years, with people trying to take pictures of UFOs, uh, even in recent weeks and months, of people trying to take pictures. And some, uh, I remember one, one fellow, this was up in the PA New York border. This guy 
uh, is a professional guy. He's got some very good night vision equipment. He made sure all his equipment was working fine. Everything is fully charged. They they had been seeing these low level orbs of light in some of the areas of people hunt up there, and he had his equipment to take pictures, video these things. And as soon as they came out, he said, "You wouldn't believe it. Everything mal it just malfunctioned, and the batteries completely discharged. There was no battery power in them." We're hearing those type of reports more and more. Okay, as far as the increases, the increase in these reports of these spheres and people seeing objects and and creatures uh, these as you mentioned some are happening during the day not just at night but they're also occurring in both rural areas say out in the woods but also in uh, more densely populated places where there are more humans present right stan oh yes and i mean over the years i mean we've had ufo sightings reported uh over the years in downtown pittsburgh over the bridges during the night We've had we had a case oh years ago I remember we got a copy of the police report where and one of the suburbs of Squirrel Hill two witnesses I think it was around three o'clock in the morning observed this large solid elliptical object with many lights on it hovering at an intersection up there and they went to the police and made a police report on it uh, yeah these things are going on more and more years ago right over the Monroeville Mall in daylight we had a very large object I believe people said it was about as big as uh, one or two school buses in length just hovering over over top of the mall, uh, and the cases we're getting in recent months, this past July. Uh, and again, a, a lot of variation reports. So we have triangular objects, we have the cigar-shaped objects, we've had rectangular objects, these small spheres being reported. But in that particular case, you had two witnesses going across the bridge down in what they call the Mon Valley. So the Mon Valley are all these small communities along the Monongahela River. Which, interestingly, I've been down there since the 1970s investigating Bigfoot sightings and UFOs and all kind of other strange phenomena. There's a lot of sightings in those areas along the river, and um, we've had incidents of objects hovering over the river. And for years, all across Pennsylvania, we've heard reports of UFOs going in and out of the lakes and rivers of Pennsylvania. So that's something intriguing, too. But this case that just happened in July, you had the two witnesses going across the bridge, and they see this huge, solid, black triangular object hovering about 150, 200 feet above the river. It's stationary, but they're watching this thing is slowly pivoting as it's hovering. It was so wide, they said, that you would take two points of the triangle, and it covered the extent of the whole length of, of the river. So they thought this thing was probably about 300 feet in length. And um, that's the kind of things that are going on. And just last week, in daylight, a fellow called me, and um, he said, look, I know aircraft. I was in the military. He said, I saw something I've never seen before. And this was uh, early morning, around 11 o'clock in the morning, here in Westmoreland County, out in the country. It was a perfectly blue, clear sky that day. And he said what he saw, he said, was a very large cigar-shaped object. He said it was cigar-shaped, but he said, I'll say it was rectangular with smooth edges. It was, it was white. It was possibly windows in it, but he wasn't certain. It was something going along the body section there in the center. But he said it had absolutely no wings. There was no contrail. It was moving extremely slow or pretty close to just hovering. He hurried down the road, he said, for about 45 seconds to get a better view. He got out of the vehicle. He had a great view of the whole sky, and it's nowhere to be seen. He said there's no way that thing could have gone that fast 
and not see it. And then again, for weeks and weeks, we've had reports from different areas, from different people seeing these large cigar-shaped objects that suddenly vanish and disappear. All right, Stan, give us an indication about UFOs seen near Bigfoot sightings and whether or not you think that there is a connection there or is it a coincidence? Well, now that's, that's a very good question with a long answer, but I'll, I'll try to give this to you and encapsulate it for you. Um, 1973, so you've got to go back in history a little bit. In 1969, I set up my hotline for the public report UFO sightings. There were so many calls come in, in I couldn't handle it on my own. Decided to try to establish a volunteer research group. So in 1970, I found the first of three that for years would investigate phenomena in Pennsylvania. The first group was called the Westmoreland County UFO Study Group. It was kind of unique. Most of the people involved were specialists. We had scientists, engineers, uh, technicians, police officers, former military specialists. We all did this around our full-time jobs. I had it set up there that we could respond to cases 24 hours a day. By 1973, I set it up that we would cover the whole state of Pennsylvania, and we were just being jammed with reports coming in. And to our surprise, we were getting referrals from law enforcement, the news media, so we were very, very busy. And we were very lucky that we were already organized, because 1973 comes around, and first we have the largest UFO wave ever documented. It, it started January 1st, went to the last day of the year. There were hundreds and hundreds of UFO cases being reported. And the local papers and the state papers and even some of the national news were picking up a lot of these reports in different areas. So it was going on and being covered in a lot of cases. Uh, so we're busy just dealing with all these UFO sightings. And a lot of these were low-level sightings, objects hovering over highways, uh, following vehicles or landing reports. I mean, it was just amazing what was going on. We were busy just trying to keep up with that. In the summer of 73, we had the biggest outbreak of Bigfoot sightings ever documented, and that went on for months into 1974. And many of those Bigfoot sightings were in daylight. And in some cases, we had more than one creature. And some of those cases were extremely detailed sightings, sometimes multiple witnesses. Some cases, we're talking people observing these things uh, 10, 15, 20 feet away in some cases. It was just an amazing, amazing time. And that, by the way, during that outbreak of 73, that's when I first had a case that showed some type of interaction between a Bigfoot and these small balls of light. It was September of 73. We got a report north of Pittsburgh that two people were outside in the country waiting for a friend to pick them up when they see this around seven, eight-foot-tall, huge Bigfoot with white hair. You don't hear about the white ones very often, but we get those reports, and we've had a number of them in the last few years. Uh, but anyhow, this huge, hairy Bigfoot was running across the road towards the woods, but in one of his hands, it was carrying a small globe of light. And as it went into the woods, a few minutes later, this large object came across the sky and projected a beam of light down into the woods where the creature ran into. That was just one case, and there's been more recent cases as well. So let me answer, answer, answer your question, and then I'll give you a little more detail. One, most UFO sightings have nothing to do with Bigfoot reports or vice versa. However, I've been aware of these cases since at least the 70s. I've been in touch with researchers around the country and around the world ever since then, and I even knew back in those days that many of the researchers were hearing some of the kind of things that we talk about a little and I'll be talking about more. But they were reluctant to even write about or talk about it because the reports were so strange they didn't want to be laughed at by their fellow researchers. My position was 
These cases are well documented. None of us have the answers, but I'm not going to pretend they're not being reported. And I started writing about this back in the 70s, and now in recent years all over the country and around the world, you're hearing similar type of reports coming in. As far as that story of the the Bigfoot uh, holding on to the light, do you think that that light uh, aided in it being beamed back to the UFO? We, there's no way for us to, we can speculate on a lot. Do we know a lot about what we've uncovered over the years? We don't, nobody has the answers. There's a lot of unanswered questions. It's, it's stranger and stranger than any of us ever imagined. You know, when I started, I started investigating Bigfoot sightings in the 1960s here in Pennsylvania. I thought from what I knew about Bigfoot that it was probably some type of unknown animal, some type of unknown primate. But as all these cases are going on 73 from widespread areas, it's got to remember, there was no cell phones. Uh, there was no communication like there is today. So many of these cases were coming into the police departments or the news media, and they were referring a lot of the cases to my groups to investigate. And we were on the scene very often within minutes to hours after they occurred so we could document it so well. That's what I wrote my Silent Invasion uh, book about that goes into great detail. But anyhow, one of the first things that turned up, we would get out to some of these areas and all type of weather conditions and in the winter in the snow. And so we have very large, unusual footprints with very big strides between them that would go for a distance and then suddenly just abruptly stop and end when there should have been more tracks. That was one of the first things that made us wonder, like, what, are, what is going on here? And that's going on now even in recent years all around the country hearing similar reports. And then we began to see this pattern. We'd have a UFO sighting in a certain area. Within minutes to hours or days later, we'd have a Bigfoot sighting or vice versa. And then we had some of those amazing cases that were very well documented with Bigfoot and UFOs seen together. And I'll give you an example of one or two of these cases, but I'm stressing this again. I am not suggesting that Bigfoot is a passenger uh, in an extraterrestrial spacecraft. Uh, that's not what I'm suggesting, because we do not know what we're dealing with. I said years ago, it's very likely we have more than one origin to the unknown category of the UFO mystery. Maybe a small percentage, maybe extraterrestrial, but I think a lot of what we're talking about, and the more I know about it, these cases are going on more and more. We're dealing with a phenomenon that has a physical and a non-physical component to it. For lack of a better term, I'll call it interdimensional. Whatever we're dealing with under certain conditions comes into our physical environment. It can leave evidence at times, and then it's gone. They come and they go which is very likely why we have no bodies of Bigfoot. And I can give you a really interesting case that convinced me that this is what's going on with Bigfoot, that these are not normal animals. While we may not have the evidence as to what is actually happening here, there are only a couple of possibilities. Uh, If those tracks end, either the creature is nearby, either it's up in the tree, or maybe it's underground, or uh, maybe it got... Uh, picked up by a UFO, uh, or maybe it's interdimensional, and maybe it is uh, closer than we believe. Yeah, and that's what exactly we found. And again, you got to remember again, the, the people calling in about these cases, they were just normal people, especially back in the 70s. They didn't know much about these cases. Most of these people would never have believed these things could exist, just like current cases in recent weeks and months, some of the people I've interviewed, but, and they were so reluctant to even tell you about some of the things that happened. Well, let me tell you about this one case. Um, 
this was the case that convinced me that whatever we're dealing with is not a normal flesh and blood animal. This was February 6, 1974, as part of that big wave of incidents going on. This was way up in the mountains of Fayette County, again in the area along the Chestnut Ridge. And um, your, some of your listeners will probably remember the time period. There was a big national trucker strike. There was gas rationing going on across the country. And I couldn't get up to the scene until the next morning. I couldn't get gas locally to get up there. There was um, a lot of violence on the highways at the time around the country. So state police and National Guardsmen were patrolling together. And you had some representatives of both units that went to the scene that night. Uh, anyhow, what happened was this woman, that evening, she's watching TV as normal in a little cabin home way up in the mountains. She um, hears this noise on her front porch. She had some empty soda cans out there. Something was knocking the soda cans around. So uh, two, three weeks before, she had a pack of wild dogs coming through. Thought, I bet those dogs are back, and she thought, you know what? I'll just grab my 16-gauge double-barrel shotgun, I'll load a chamber, and I'll fire over their heads and scare those dogs away. So she proceeds to load her shotgun. She walks up to the front door, and um, she turns on the porch light, steps out, and there's no dogs, but six feet in front of her, is a seven-foot-tall, huge, hairy Bigfoot with gray hair that put his arm straight up over its head when she turned on the light. And what does she do? She fires right into it. She said there's this brilliant flash of light, like the strobe on a camera, and that creature physically vanishes and disappears. And that's only a part of the story. It got even stranger. Uh, if you want to hear the rest of the story, I can tell you as well. Yeah, we got two minutes, so finish it up, uh, Stan. I'd love to hear the end of this one. Uh, her... Her in-laws lived 100 feet away. They heard the gunshot. Son-in-law grabs a sidearm, starts walking down that dark road, and at some point he reportedly was surrounded by four or five hairy people with eyes like coals of fire, starting shooting at him randomly, ran into the cabin where the, the woman was, and about that same time there was this large luminous object hovering over the woods at the same time. That's when the state police uh, were notified. I talked to the main investigating officer, and he said, by the time they found the area, everything was gone. But he said something very strange happened up there. That was based on the animal reactions, the, the number of dogs they had up there, that when they arrived on the scene, the dogs wouldn't move. They wouldn't make a sound. They wouldn't bark. And that is something that's very common, uh, even as recent as yesterday, uh, when these creatures are around. Even the most vicious dogs are, like, paralyzed. They shake, they cower, they don't bark when they're close to these creatures. And there's other, other animal reactions as well. Uh, was there any body found in that case, Stan, that we know of? Oh, no. There was nothing there. We did, however, we were out there searching the area. And right in line out in the woods, we found the BB pattern where she had shot at the creature. And it was in the trees. It was uh, the BB. We found the pattern uh, where she had fired right in the same direction. But the creature was gone. Very, very interesting. Our program will continue with Stan Gordon uh, and his website, by the way, stangordon.info. And his 24-hour UFO and Bigfoot cryptid sightings hotline is 724-838-7768. 724-838-7768. And more with him on our program, Creepy Encounters on Into the Parabnormal, right after this. I'm Jeremy Scott. Are you connected with us on social media? Give us a like and follow at Parabnormal Show.
parabnormal. It's part paranormal and part abnormal. There's nothing ordinary about what's on your speakers. Into the Paranormal with Jeremy Scott. My guest, Dan Gordon, tonight, he is a uh, researcher of everything creepy. That's how I'm going to put it tonight. His 24-hour UFO and Bigfoot cryptid sightings hotline is 724-838-7768. And his book is called Creepy Cryptids and Strange UFO Encounters of Pennsylvania. Uh, That is his latest book. He has been investigating this stuff for decades and has really been able to put together some miraculous reports that tell some pretty amazing stories. Uh, Stan, any reports of these spheres, which are these, you know, balls of lights in all particular shapes and sizes that have been reported, uh, you know, for decades, but have seemingly increased of late. Any reports of these things harming anyone? Uh, Not cases that I have been involved in. I've heard some stories about this. I can tell you... in recent months, I've had a couple people tell me, and I, I have not enough data to really confirm this, but I, I hear uh, at least one case a person told me they were relatively close to one, and they were have, they had some physical problems afterwards, um, nothing real severe or anything, but they noted that it seemed to happen after they had the close encounter. I, I've, I'm aware of another case right now where somebody was very close to one, and they had some medical problems that seem to correlate with the event uh, with being close to one of these small spheres. But right now, uh, I believe he's getting some medical attention and trying to figure out what may or may not have caused it. So we can't say for sure. But uh, remember now, interestingly, you had the physiological effect of those two recent cases of both people who don't know each other who were very close to these things, and they both had that overpowering sleepiness that came upon them right at the time that they saw these objects. Okay, so no direct reports of these spheres harming anyone, but potentially it could put someone on a collision course, say if they are on a highway, if they are driving a vehicle, and this thing either captures their attention and they take their eye off the road, or this thing comes through the the vehicle and out the other side, uh, you know, they could swerve, they could do any number of things. Oh, that's yeah, and then other UFO cases too. We've had these things very, very low to the ground. I mean, with objects hovering right over vehicles over the years. And uh, but here was another case. Just to give you the variation in the report. So here's November 2019, um, up in the mountains, uh, Fayette County. Fellow's riding down the road that afternoon to go to his home. It's afternoon. It's laid out, and as he's coming up to the top of this hill, here's this. Uh, about two feet in diameter sphere that is actually on the road. It's blocking his, um, he can't uh, go any further because this thing's blocking his passage. So he's not sure what this thing is, but he knows he's got to move it or he can't get home. So he gets out of his vehicle and um, he said seconds later, as he opens the car door and starts walking toward it, it physically vanishes, fades away, and disappears. Poof, just like that, gone. Uh, very, very interesting. And, yeah, and I was going to tell you, again, there, there's variations in these type of cases. And while a lot of them are spherical, 
uh, we've had incidents where some of these things are kind of elong- they're smaller, but they're elongated. And uh, then we have some reports of these things that are a completely different type of uh, shape to them as well. And one of those cases occurred in a place called Fayette City. Uh, this was in, I'm trying to remember, October 2017. Really interesting case. So it's, it's early morning hours. This fella got up early to warm up his wife's car. So it was in the, uh, the driveway. It was illuminated driveway. He's walking down the steps, and he's about t- 10 to 12 feet away from his wife's vehicle. He looks over, and uh, by the right bumper, he sees this object. He said, I don't know how to explain this. He said the thing is about two feet tall. It was shaped like a haystack. It was translucent and shiny and a milky white color. There were vertical ribs going through the superstructure that looked like chrome straws. And the object was completely silent, and it was gliding about one to two inches off the, off the ground. And he said whatever the object was, I mean, he got about six feet away from it. And he said suddenly... It went from that right side um, to right side of the, the back bumper to the left side, made a perfect right angle, went straight down towards the driver's side of the car into the darker area, and he never saw it again. And he has no idea what it was that he saw. Absolutely. Uh, and usually you don't know what it is you saw, uh, but you know it is creepy, and you had an encounter of some kind. Um We've heard many of these reports tonight happening near bodies of water, and I'm wondering if you have a thought on on why that is the case. Well, again, for years and years, whatever these things are we're we're talking about, and of course, you you know, you've heard a lot about the the Pentagon's new uh, government investigation, and they're focusing a lot on the sightings by Navy personnel, so you have a lot of sightings reported like that. And again, we have reports here from all over Pennsylvania I get a lot of reports here in the western part of the state, but for years there have been a lot of cases of these things hovering over water, cases of these things going in and out of the water. Geez, from memory, this is probably going back to the 1980s. I remember a person telling me about seeing a large object hovering over the Kiski Menace River, I believe it was a Freeport PA, that was hovering over the river and sucking up large amounts of water out of the river up into the object. I thought that was always a fascinating report from many years ago. Interesting. So an object sucking up uh, water, and I and I wonder. I, well, I guess they could potentially turn that into fuel. Well, again, we can speculate a lot, <laughs> and we just don't have the answers. There's yeah. so much we've un- uncovered. There's so many things about Bigfoot that people don't know about. Let me give you a couple examples because they're really intriguing. One, uh, you've heard we talked a little bit about this earlier. Back in the 50s and 60s, you heard a lot of reports of these large, solid objects hovering over vehicles, pacing vehicles, and when they were close by, in some cases, the headlights would dim, the motor would sputter, and when the object would leave the area, the power would come back on, the headlights would get brighter. But there are cases like this with Bigfoot as well. And it's not well known. I've investigated some here in Pennsylvania. They have occurred around the country as well. But there are incidents where... uh, a person's vehicle got close to one of these creatures, and when the creature was close by, they began to lose the power in the vehicle, and as the creature moved away or they got a little further away from it, the power came back to normal. 
Well, and that, I guess, could explain why uh, folks are also not able to get very good pictures of Bigfoot. It could be because of that electromagnetic influence, uh, say, touching a vehicle, causing it to lose its energy and, and seemingly doing the same thing to electronic devices. And, and again, uh, we've had cases where people have attempted to take pictures of both um, cryptid-related events and also many with UFOs. And uh, these things have happened. And, again, I, I'm just thinking of different cases I'll look into, which have been thousands over the years. Uh, this was back in 2015 up in the mountains uh, outside of – this is between Fayette and Westmoreland County. It was a beautiful morning. This fellow was sitting there in the kitchen at the table next to the window looking out. His large dog was lying there with him. His dog goes with him everywhere. He said, suddenly – Everything just got pitch black outside, just like a, a terrible storm came out of nowhere. He couldn't understand it. And he had his fully charged cell phone sitting on the table, which he grabbed. He yelled to his dog to come with him. The dog refused to come out, which that dog never did before, apparently. The guy ran outside, went out on his driveway, and 500 feet above him is this huge, silent, solid black triangular object. What does he do? He aims his phone to take pictures, and the battery completely lost all of its power. It was fully charged when he went outside. Stan, how do you go about verifying some of the reports that you get on your hotline? Obviously, you can't, probably can't verify them all, right? Well, it's, there are so many calls coming out all the time. And, and in some cases, you know, it's easy to investigate cases today, uh, depending on the situation, but... First of all, let me say this. When I started doing my research investigations, and it's still ongoing today, one thing I found is this. Many UFO sightings and even Bigfoot encrypted cases, when you take the time to properly investigate them, many are determined to be either natural or man-made in origin. There are a lot of misidentifications, especially with UFO reports. So even uh, in recent years and weeks and months, a lot of Starlink satellite reports, people calling in, seeing these series of lights going across the sky, but we can easily go on the computer and we can track down when and where they're around. So they're not fabricated reports that people saw what they saw. They're just misidentifications. So you don't have a lot of hoaxes. Uh, again, the people call in all walks of life, whether it's a, a, the Bigfoot or cryptid or UFO from men, women, children of all ages, all kind of backgrounds. I've talked to many professionals. I've, I've interviewed Oh, scientists and engineers and educators and pilots, commercial and uh, private pilots. I've interviewed many police officers, first responders who report these things. 99% of the people would call me and talk to me. They want no publicity. They have no interest in being publicized. Most of them never believed these things could exist. For many of them, it was a life-changing event. I've spoken even recent years to hunters, guys who spent 20, 25 years out in the woods, never saw anything unusual. Till that one day, and when they saw what they saw, their lives were changed because they saw something that was not supposed to exist. And now they know there's something else out there. And some of these guys told me they love the woods and they'll never go back in the woods again. And I deal with all kind of cases. I mean, there's all kind of strange things. I get into these in my various books. But, I mean, there's very, very strange things that have been going on for years uh, in Pennsylvania. And, again, it's not just in Pennsylvania. I just happen to have a good input for information. But... Let me, let me give you another example. Here's a very strange case, and it's mentioned actually in my new book. And, uh, but I'll tell you, it's, it was August of 2017. 
So this report came in from a police officer who was on patrol and contacted me soon after. He said, I just saw the strangest thing I've ever seen in my life. I can't even believe I saw what I saw. So he's uh, here in Pennsylvania patrolling a dark area that he normally patrolled. As he's riding down the road, he sees this ball of light on the ground. But wait till you hear. It's not what we're talking about in, in previous conversation tonight. So he sees this ball of light, and he said, suddenly this ball of light rises up from the ground. And he realizes that this, this uh, white ball of light is actually the head of about at least a six-foot-tall, very skeletal, thin, hairless humanoid creature. And he said, apparently this thing was lying on its belly on the ground with its head facing him towards the road when he saw it. Then it stood up, and it was real dark in that area. But he said, you could see the glow from this, the, the sphere, which was the head of the creature, it illuminated the upper part of the body. And the officer said that um, it turned, and he said, I have never in my life seen anything move so fast. And this is interesting. He says, it was there, and then it was gone. And that's almost the same wording that people have told me with Bigfoot cases as well, or other cryptid cases. But he said this thing... Uh, the chest was about 18 inches across. The waist was about was small, but the arms were unusually long. And he said the long limbs looked skeletal with no muscle mass. The skin tone of the body appeared to be dull grayish blue, but he could not see any facial features. And um, in 10 seconds, it, w it was going. It took off so fast, he pulled up, put a spotlight on, looking for tracks, didn't see anything. Within... I'm trying to think. Within a couple of weeks, I had another report from another area of another person describing something similar coming up out of the woods. And then it was in 2018, I believe it was, uh, in another area, probably I think about 40 miles from there. And I, was, I actually was at the place, and I saw where it happened. And um, this fellow lives deep in the woods. And uh, anyhow, he was up in the woods that evening, when he, we heard his unusual footsteps, he knows deer, he lives with deer all around there, but it didn't sound right to him. It was bipedal, but it didn't sound normal. So he went down to his home, which again is in the thick woods, and he was in the kitchen sitting there at the table about 10 feet away from the back window that had no drape on. It was just an open window, and he said, I couldn't believe what I'm seeing. He said, I see this skeletal thin creature with kind of a spiny back, it had glowing yellow eyes. It was down on all fours looking directly into my face. And um, he turned around for a second, and he saw it down on all fours scampering around the edge of the house and was gone. And he told me it took him quite a while for him to ever go back up in the woods again. But then those reports began to come in from other areas and then all across the country. In recent years, other researchers have been receiving similar type of reports. Stan, I'm wondering if you also get uh, reports of any strange noises, uh, booms, or anything of the kind. Uh, you know, it's been a while since we've heard of those, uh, you know, trumpet noises that seem to come from the bowels of the earth. But there are other noises known to accompany Bigfoot and UFO sightings. Uh, what say you about that? Oh, boy, they're all kind of sounds. <laughs> Yeah, and the fact is one of this Bigfoot sighting that happened yesterday. I did that just interviewed the witness again today, and it was a very good sight. Let me tell you, these people are very, very credible. They're, they're an older couple, 
Um, they have a, they own a lot of property deep in the mountains uh, up in Indiana County, and uh, they reported this thing yesterday. They don't want anybody to know where they live. They don't want their names out there. But anyhow, his wife, uh, this was just as the sun was coming up, and uh, it was early morning. She was coming out of one of the structures on the property, and as she noticed, as out the corner of her eye, she noticed movement, and about um, 80, around 80 feet away is this huge, she said this thing was nine feet tall, covered with gray hair, and the, and the creature was carrying a small deer over its shoulder. She said it was very broad-shouldered. Uh, she couldn't get a really good look at the features on the face, but the face had uh, was dark-complected and had gray hair on the face. She went into great detail about what this thing did, but she said when she came out, she thinks that she kind of scared it. And then when it realized he was there, she said this thing let out a, a one very loud, uh, I believe it was a, a growl or a groan, but she said it was very, very loud, and um, they kind of had eye contact for a short time. They kept looking at each other, and then the thing, she took off, and then the thing uh, ran down through their field and into the woods. But, uh, again, we get a lot of daylight sightings around here. So there's a lot of things that are not misidentification. These people around here, they know what bear look like. These things are not bear. And, uh, yep, have we had misidentifications. Over the years, we've had big, shaggy dogs that were misidentified. We've had hunters and camouflage outfits. So you can explain some things. But I can tell you, many of the cases I'm talking about are very well-documented cases. Uh, a lot of these, again, are very detailed I look for those details, those small details, and it's so amazing how these people who don't know each other, they tell these little details that they think aren't even important. And one of the things that shows up, as happened yesterday, is the animal reactions, because these people are telling me about the animals where they live and how the, the one animal, within minutes after it happened, was way back in its cage and was, would always come out and eat and would refuse to eat. So, I mean, that's something that's very common, but the sounds... Here's something I learned about Bigfoot years ago in the 70s. And we had some very good vocalizations that different people recorded back on their old cassette recorders back in those days. And we knew that a lot, of the, a lot of the common reports was like a woman in pain screaming, a baby crying, a high-pitched bird whistle, or somebody like very heavy breathing like somebody with asthma. And I heard that. And, and I don't know if I told you this when we first started, Jeremy, but... You know, I've been doing this now for 63 years. Wow. I have never, I have never personally seen a Bigfoot or a UFO. I know it's hard to believe. I've seen a lot of evidence. Well, I've are you a believer? One. Oh, definitely. I mean, the evidence is there. There's something out there. The patterns are there. We've made many casts of footprints over the years. I mean, when you have so many people who don't know each other, and, and you deal with these personalities, and you see the emotions, you have, you've seen grown men crying on the same minutes after we get there, grown men crying. They were that scared of something that happened to them, for example. Yeah, I, I definitely know something's going on. What it is, we just don't know. I don't think anybody knows. I don't think the government knows. I think they know a lot more they're telling us, but I think they're finding, probably very much like I did, that we're dealing with something that is far beyond our present scientific understanding right now, and I don't think anybody has the answers. Uh, what about the shapes and sizes of some of these objects, Stan? Uh, what are the most common, but what are some of the rare ones as well that are reported? Okay. Well, again, you receive all kind of reports. Uh, and, again, 
it's very difficult to judge altitude and size. So, again, it's very, you can't really be sure certain when something's up there several thousand feet up or much higher in altitude. But a lot of people realize that in comparison to people who, who are normally uh, used to seeing uh, aircraft in the area or some of the medical helicopters around, and they, they try to give you an idea how it compares. And so some of these things are probably pretty large. But then again, we have some of those cases that uh, we talked about a few of them where you have these very large objects very low to the ground. And, uh, you know, it, it's just very, very mystifying. Where do these things go to? They, they come and they go. They're here and they're gone. And like I said, in some cases, these objects, people reporting that um, these objects uh, just suddenly fade away and disappear rather than accelerating and leaving. Yeah. Um, I can imagine. All right, we've got to take a break with uh, my guest, Stan Gordon. But in the uh, final minute that we have in this uh, segment, Stan, give out your UFO hotline and also your website. Uh, website is stangordon.info, I-N-F-O. Uh, the phone number they can reach me at is 724-838-7768. There is contact information on my website, but the best email is pa. UFO at Comcast.net, and uh, there's a lot of detail in my book, especially the new one and the silent invasion book about the massive wave in 73 when we get into some incredible cases, and the books are all available on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. We will continue our program with Stan Gordon right after this. Creepy encounters tonight on Into the Paranormal. I am Jeremy Scott, back right after this. Paranormal news. Stop us if you've heard this one before. U.S. Space Command says debris from a Chinese rocket made re-entry and fell to the Earth last Friday. The piece, weighing 23 tons, landed in the Pacific Ocean. It was left over from the core stage of a long March 5B rocket used to launch the third and final module of China's Tiangong space station two weeks ago. The core stage reached orbit without any way to safely push it back to Earth, leaving uncertainty over where it might land. Spain closed a section of airspace for a time out of precaution. China's most powerful rocket has no way to steer itself after launch. This is the fourth time in two and a half years that launches by the China National Space Administration have spilled debris. In July, a 25-ton core stage fell through Earth's atmosphere over the Indian Ocean. Another littered the same body of water a year earlier. And in May of 2020, rocket debris landed over West Africa, reportedly leaving space junk across the Ivory Coast. China is planning at least six more rocket launches as soon as the middle of next year. While there are no international agreements to prevent these incidents, the United States, Canada, Germany, Japan, and New Zealand have voluntarily agreed not to conduct destructive anti-satellite tests. I'm George Henry, Paranormal News. His Bigfoot hiding out. Trees and shrubs are moving. And I started to feel these reverberations through the soles of my feet of something walking. Oh, dude, that's a squatch. It's a huge footprint over here. 
the heel here. Yeah. And the toe. And they look super fresh. Whatever made them is really close by. It's like Bigfoot was watching us while we worked. The thought popped into my head. Are you going to shoot it? Would you shoot it? Would you shoot if you saw this mythical thing? Then all of a sudden I could see it was upright. It just looked too big. It was moving too smoothly in the dark. Bigfoot. And I saw this this thing. Turn around, looked at me, and it was... It was big. There have been more than 10,000 reported modern-day sightings of Bigfoot in the U.S., and more than one-third of them are from the Pacific Northwest. Exploring the possibilities of the subjects you've always wanted to know, and those you never knew existed until now. Into the Paranormal with Jeremy Scott. And a fair share of those out Pennsylvania way, where my guest Stan Gordon is tonight. His 24-hour UFO and Bigfoot cryptid sightings hotline is 724-838-7768. His website, stangordon.info, and author of the new book, Creepy Cryptids and Strange UFO Encounters of Pennsylvania. We uh, have talked a lot about some of those strange phenomena tonight, some of those anomalous events that have occurred. There's some strange uh, creatures out there as well that people encounter, uh, not all the time related to UFOs, sometimes just out while hunting or camping or recreating. Uh, What are some of the more common ones that people have reported over time, Stan? Well, I I found one uh, type of kind of a cryptid, more of an out-of-place animal, because we we continue to receive these reports even this year in daylight, some at pretty close range of what people are calling black panthers. So when we're talking about black panthers, we're talking about black leopards, black jaguars, not common in this part of the world. But again, it's not just in Pennsylvania. They've had similar reports around the country, other parts of the world where they aren't supposed to be existing either. But... I found some really interesting details over the years. And so, for example, uh, you know, you can have a Bigfoot sighting almost anywhere, be in the right place at the right time. So many people have talked to me about having these things walk out in front of their vehicle on a back road. But there are some more specific geographical locations where various anomalies continue to occur. And some of these places have had a long history. And we have several of them here in Pennsylvania. Uh, one is very active right now that's being looked into. And uh, so what happens in these places, they have all kind of paranormal incidents going on. They have UFO sightings. They have the screams in the house and strange footprints and those balls of light and Bigfoot and other cryptids. But here's what's interesting. Sometimes when you have an outbreak like this or in an area where you're having Bigfoot sightings, people in the area are also reporting seeing, for example, black panthers. And um, I find that very, very interesting. And uh, there have been cases where Bigfoot has been seen accompanying another cryptid. And, uh, and again, that's very, very intriguing, too. But there was one incident I investigated years ago that also suggested that we're dealing with something that's very unusual. And, again, a lot of the Bigfoot cases we have, while we have a lot of reports of Bigfoot looking physically solid, we have other cases where people see them at close range, they look misty or foggy looking, 
sometimes part of the body is solid. In other cases, it, it's out of part of it's out of focus, or you can see through it. Um, and again, people will tell us sometimes these things just suddenly appear out of nowhere. They see it for a short distance and it's gone. And that we just barely got into some of these cases tonight. But let me tell you about this case. This is February of 1983, up in the mountains. This fella uh, gets home late around 1 o'clock in the morning. His, his car is overheating. Pulls into his driveway, goes inside to get a can of antifreeze. He's working on the car, pouring antifreeze into the vehicle when he hears this loud growl behind him. He turns around and looks, and about 20 feet away, there's this large black house cat. And, of course, that wasn't that odd because out there in the country, there's cats running around. He goes back to work, puts more antifreeze in the vehicle. A couple of minutes later, he hears a louder growl. He turns around to look, and now that big house cat has physically doubled its size. It has grown to twice its size, and it's making this ferocious growling sound towards him. He throws the, uh, the can at it. And the thing turns around, starts walking out of there, and starts walking up the driveway outside. He runs inside and grabs his pistol. He said when he came back out and looked outside, that very big cat has now grown to the size of a set of an animal like I see in the zoo, like a black panther. It's growling at me. It's solid black, has a long tail, it has glowing yellow eyes. And he said, I took a shot at it. I don't know if I hit it, but seconds later, it physically vanished and disappeared. Amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, cryptids accompanying each other, what, like Bigfoot and Mothman, something like that? Well, actually, we've heard reports, like, say, for example, of a Bigfoot and a Black Panther being seen together. I heard another report of a Bigfoot and some kind of a unusual animal with glowing eyes next to it that the person couldn't identify and really be sure what it was. Could have been a Mothman. Well, hear these cases, and, and I'm very much aware of the Mothman stories, and in fact, in my new book, there's an amazing account, first-hand account, uh, that I know, I don't think anybody out there probably ever heard about this one before. I had, during the time the Mothman was going on in West Virginia, of course, that was, what, November 66, I was hearing rumors that something similar was going on around the Pittsburgh area. And I tried for years to try to track that down, and it wasn't until many, many years later that I did track down a witness who was involved in one of those incidents. It was a really interesting incident. Actually, I have that in my, I think it's my Astonishing Encounters book. But this is the second case that this fellow, who's a well-known author in the Pittsburgh area, he was best friends with the person involved who came to him, to his home, right after it happened, was in, in a state of shock, and ended up going to the hospital, and the whole story is in the book, and it's very intriguing, and it may well have been some type of a Mothman-type event that happened here about the same time was going on in West Virginia. You mentioned earlier, Stan, about a very active place that was being looked into for some of its activity, and so I couldn't resist asking you more about that. Well, there are certain locations we're aware of, especially up in the Fayette County area for whatever reason, that they're on private property, but they have ongoing things for years. They have apparitions. They've had um, the balls of light, UFO sightings, Bigfoot, uh, other creature reports, and some of these cases go on and on. I mean, year after year, some, they have sometimes numerous events that different people experience at these locations. Uh, this one place that's um, being investigated now by a number of researchers, 
uh, in an undisclosed location is very intriguing. Uh, many of them have now encountered the, the spheres of light. There's a history of Bigfoot activity up there, other strange activity in, the, in nearby. So these things are occurring. And, uh, and again, the more we know about these incidents, I mean, the stranger it is. I'm going to tell you a story because I was, again, I, I was a witness to this, and I can confirm that this happened. And this is something about Bigfoot that many people have never heard about or even considered. But you may have heard some of these stories. They're not very common in Pennsylvania. Of the hundreds of cases I worked on, there's maybe a handful. And they came up, all, all these reports that I did get came from really responsible people who were very reluctant to tell me about it. But these are cases where people claim that they've had some type of uh, mental or telepathic communication with these creatures. And I know in some parts of the country this is a lot more common, not that common in this part of the country. However, back in the 1980s, I was getting reports uh, along the Chestnut Ridge out in Westmoreland County that one of these creatures was coming down from the top of the mountain and coming down closer to some of the homes around or some of the properties and scaring the animals. So I went out there with a team, and there was a small group of people there that had been talking about seeing these things. And one person in the group reluctantly said that it seems as though this creature at times was trying to mentally communicate. While we were there, this person said, this creature is now telling me that tomorrow morning, so the next morning in another county up in Indiana County, about 15 miles away, there will be a, a unusual UFO incident right over top of the town. And that early the next morning, over that particular town, there was this very unusual, strange, loud sound that awakened people. It was so unusual, the fire department was called out, and it was in the news. And Stan, have you recently heard about uh, some possible thermal image recordings that were taken in West Virginia of a possible Bigfoot recently? Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, again, one of the groups down there that I've been in touch with. There's some, a group of good researchers down there, and uh, they had some incidents in October. Again, we're having incidents up here on the same days of other things going on, but uh, this was by the uh, group down there in Wild, Wild and Weird West Virginia. The name of it. They have a great website you can go to, and you can see these yourself on there or go to my website. There's links to it, but... Um, they had an incident, I, I don't remember all the details, but they had an incident uh, the day before when they were doing some investigating in the area where there were Bigfoot sightings, and their thermal did pick up something, apparently, from what I understand, down in this valley. It was a place where it's very hard to even maneuver getting anybody down there, and they've got a really interesting image of this thing moving. It looks quite tall. And then the next day, when they went back to do more investigations, they... Uh, they had their thermal with them, and they just happened, one of the fouls happened to put up in the sky, and they've got some really interesting video of these luminous objects. Uh, I mean, several of them in the sky just making very interesting maneuvers. So I think they've got something very interesting that uh, needs to be looked at further. Well, and it looks very similar uh, to, or sounds very similar at least, to some of the cases that you've been investigating around Pennsylvania of late. Oh, yeah, and, and in fact, over the years, I mean, sometimes they have cases that are quite similar. they got a very good, as I remember, and if you scroll back through my website, I'm sure you can find it. There's a link to a, a, a very good, excuse me, video, <clears throat> excuse me, 
of, of a white cigar-shaped object in daylight over West Virginia. And that was during the time that I was getting many reports, again, of daylight sightings of large cigar-shaped objects here in western Pennsylvania. So sometimes that's why we keep in touch with a lot of different people. And I keep track of all these reports to see if there's any type of correlation, any type of pattern. And it's interesting that sometimes you'll get similar reports from widespread areas, and you don't always get them right away. Sometimes people wait weeks or months or years for the call in. And it's just amazing when you can go back and some of these people know exactly what date and where they were and what time, and there's records of other people seeing something on that same day. Did you also uh, encounter, have you also encountered reports of objects or beings levitating, uh, maybe from craft, uh, you know, on the ground or even in bodies of water? Uh, we have had reports of various type of entities over the years that uh, have been reported um, like floating, gliding right above the ground. And um, there was a case uh, down in Derry Township a couple years ago, a few years ago, a couple years ago, I guess it was. And it was a rainy night. The fellow was riding down the road, and he said, suddenly, out of nowhere, this uh, six, six and a half foot tall, he said, you could see the entire outline. It looked foggy and misty, but you could see this big, broad-shouldered creature uh, with... I believe, long arms, and he said it was so unusual because it didn't appear to be running. It appeared to be floating across the road into the field. And, uh, and again, we've had other cases of various type of entities that people reported, some like smaller humanoid creatures that have been floating. I, I remember this is one of the first cases I investigated, and we went quite a distance, and this was, boy, 1969, I'll bet you it was. And... Uh, yeah, I think it was one of the first cases I investigated was some type of entity, and um, I'm just going from memory now from many years ago. But anyhow, this was a truck driver early morning coming around the bend and seeing three glowing, luminous, different colored, small humanoid creatures. He said it was like they were on, if I remember, he said it was like on an invisible elevator, and they were gliding up the side of this mountain. All three of them together separated, and they were just gliding up the side of this mountain. And he was quite shaken about it. Uh, as would I be, and probably you as well. Uh, so objects, uh, you know, levitating, uh, perhaps floating, uh, and uh, obviously gliding, uh, maybe in the case of a Bigfoot. Uh, but even objects, what, crawling? Uh, I can't remember really crawling so much. Again, there, there are so many incidents, and uh, there was an amazing case, but it's, it's an extremely detailed case. And uh, this happened several years ago uh, up in Bradford County, up towards the New York border. It's very long and detailed, but if you want me to go over it, I'd be glad to go over some of the details with you. Yeah, sure, please. Okay, so anyhow, um, this was, I believe, in April of 2012. And I, but I believe it actually happened in November of 20, actually in 2011 is when it actually took place. And I got the interview of both the fellow and, and his girlfriend at the time. And it was around 11 o'clock that evening. They're driving down this back road. And um, their attention is drawn to the left, left side of the road. And a man saw some movement and mentioned to a friend. And initially they thought it was like a, a naked man crawling on the side of the road. So he slows down his speed, and he swerves his vehicle in the middle of the road and puts his high beams towards the subject. 
and then he stops about 30, 40 feet away and realizes this was not a person but a creature that was crawling very low to the ground. They said it, it moved almost um, into a squatting position with its back completely straight, somewhat like the stance of a kangaroo. And the arms uh, were held very tightly to its body. It looked like long claws that resembled the talons of an eagle. They could see the talons. And the one claw was shorter than the other three. The creature had a muscular body. The head of the beast appeared to be oversized and shaped like that of a wolf. At the top of the head were two pointed bat-like ears that looked to be about four to six inches long. The entire creature was covered with dull, wrinkly, dark black skin. And he said it had large canine-like teeth in its mouth. The eyes of the creature about the size of a silver dollar were shiny black. And he said that even though he had his high beams directed on the creature, the eyes did not reflect at all in that case. He said a look over the body uh, during the, about 12 seconds he saw it, and for some reason the creature he thought should have had wings, but it didn't. And uh, anyhow, about that time, he said the creature was in the left lane of the road, about one to two feet on the pavement, and as the couple watched in amazement, the creature began to stretch its body. And he said at that point the animal started to stand up on its back legs while falling over into the front feet. He said the creature seemed about six to seven feet tall. The animal then fell over on all four legs. He said the front claws of the creature were now two feet across the center line of the highway while the back feet remained uh, one to two feet from the edge of the road. He said the creature turned his head to the right and looked towards the vehicle. The driver told me that, now this is interesting, he said it looked directly at them with a horrific expression like it was panicked. He said it took a very deep breath. He said he had the feeling that the creature didn't realize that it was being observed. And when it realized that the humans could see it, it was like caught doing something it shouldn't have been doing. And that's something, by the way, that has been showing up in other cases in more recent years I've been investigating with Bigfoot and other cryptids, that people tell me that when they see this thing and they're close to it, in some cases quite close, the creatures realize that the humans can see them. They have this startled effect, and their reaction is as though to get out of here right away because I'm being seen. I think that's really interesting. Stan, do you think that there is an active or at one point was a cover-up to suppress some of this information uh, like we've discussed tonight? Well, again, it's so complicated, and there's so many variations to what we're dealing with here. I I think that uh, a lot of people in the Bigfoot field for years and years have been aware of some of these very strange aspects of the cases, but they've been reluctant to talk about it. But I've noticed in more recent years, talking to many researchers around the country, that more and more people in the field now are beginning to question the same thing I did years ago, where's the bodies? They're hearing these similar reports of some of what I talked about tonight, and they're realizing there's more to this than we understand. Nobody has the answers, but you can't just dismiss so many reports from so many credible people. And again, the balls of light, the small spheres of the ground, these are showing up all over the country now. And it's something that more and more people are talking about. And um, there, there's so many different uh, aspects, again, of all these different things, all these different cases we're dealing with, and there's just some strange elements to them we don't understand. One, here's one pattern I found many years ago. 
many low-level close-range UFO sightings, and many encounters with Bigfoot and other cryptids occur in the vicinity of high-energy sources. So there are numerous reports around, for example, high-tension power lines, power plants, bodies of water, railroad tracks, radio, cell phone towers, windmill farms, um, goes on and on and on. I have no doubt there's an energy connection to whatever we're dealing with. We just don't know what exactly, how it connects to what the people are reporting. Stan, awesome stories tonight. Definitely some creepy encounters that you've shared on the program tonight. Tell the audience about some of the other uh, books you've written in addition to Creepy Cryptids and Strange UFO Encounters of Pennsylvania. You've got a lot of other books available. Well, I've, ri- I've written a total of four books. And uh, the first book is called Really Mysterious Pennsylvania, where people were physically very close to UFOs, the spheres of light, a lot of uh, creature sightings, Bigfoot sightings, other creatures, uh, the giant thunderbird, the flying creature sightings, and a lot of other things. Uh, the book is still very popular. It's called Silent Invasion, the Pennsylvania UFO Bigfoot Casebook. It goes into great detail about that massive UFO Bigfoot wave in 1973 when we began to realize that Bigfoot was much stranger than an unknown animal. There was a UFO connection to it, but once again, not, next, not necessarily extraterrestrial. And it goes into that famous case when the state police from Uniontown called my team up when they had a huge UFO landed on the ground with multiple witnesses seeing it and two Bigfoot standing there at the same time. And then, of course, the new book's out, Keep Cryptids, which has some very strange cases in it. Stan Gordon.info and his 24-hour UFO and Bigfoot cryptid sightings hotline is 724-838-7768. Stan, thanks so much on uh, for coming on into the paranormal, somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. Good night, everyone. We will talk to you next time. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 